Welcome back to our podcast series entitled Friend of the Father, where together we open up God's Word and seek to develop a deeper and more meaningful relationship with Him. If you'd like any more information about who we are and our times of worship, please visit traderspointchurch.org. With that said, please grab your Bibles and join along in our study today. Hello once again, and welcome to a podcast that we've got rolling, Friend of the Father. Uh, we are now episode number 13, and uh, if this is the first time that you've uh, found us and are listening, we certainly appreciate that, and would encourage you to, uh, possibly to go back, and, and wherever you found this on whatever platform, uh, you'll be able to find the others and go back and listen possibly to 1 through 12. We've been kind of tying a lot of these things together. Uh, really centering around our relationship with God. And we're doing that ultimately because it really needs to be the defining relationship for us. And it needs to be one of those relationships we are continually thinking about for sure, but also continually working on. And and John and I have been studying through that and we've been talking about that together. And we've been kind of hitting all kinds of different uh, bits and pieces uh, surrounding that particular relationship. And we've got several episodes still to go, and we're kind of coming down towards kind of the, the book end to a, a little bit of what we talked about last week in episode number 12 about the importance of being wise about the choices that we're making, especially the people we're spending our time with. If uh, my relationship with God is the number one most important thing in my life, then that should affect, it should have an impact on the people that I'm choosing to spend the most of my time with. The most of my time needs to be with people who also are valuing that relationship. And so that brings us to what we're going to talk about today a little bit specifically now about my relationship then with other Christians. Certainly within the walls of worship on the Lord's Day, particularly uh, the importance of that, because that's where those people are and where they should be, but also expanding that a little bit and, and thinking about, even biblically, what God has to say about our relationship with one another, certainly with in regards to hospitality mm-hmm. and being there for one another, the idea of rejoicing with those who rejoice, weeping with those who weep, being there for one another, not just in worship, even mm-hmm. though that's important, we'll talk about that, but being there for one another outside of worship and being conscious and intentional, really, mm-hmm. about the time that we're spending uh, with uh, with other Christians. Yeah, I think this, this topic is really important because it gives us the opportunity to distinguish between those two things, distinguish between the time where we gather together to worship collectively and the time that we spend with one another outside of, of that time frame. And, and that's important to distinguish between because those two activities have very different purposes. They're both extremely important to our relationship and our relationship with God, but they have very different purposes. When we gather together to worship, that is a God-focused activity. We are glorifying Him. We are bringing honor to Him. We are praising Him. Now, the side effects of that are that we are going to build one another up and grow closer to each other, but the intent and the point of worship is God-focused. But the time that we then spend with one another outside of that worship assembly 
now it gives us an opportunity to focus on one another and we can focus on that relationship that God wants his people to have with each other. And we can spend time together socially. We can spend time together building one another up, bearing one another's burdens, getting to know one another, and developing those deeper bonds that are going to help us collectively grow closer to God. And so it's important that we distinguish between those two. And and the scripture does that. Oftentimes, there are, there are times, there are even entire letters where, you know, Paul or others are writing specifically to a church and, and talking about their assemblies together. And then there are others where the individual relationship is addressed more directly. And so clearly, Scripture distinguishes between those, and so it's important that we do as well. And, and in doing so, it helps us understand the value of each the value of worship and the time spent together in that in that way, and the value of the more social interactions that we may have with one another. Yeah, we made mention last week that, you know, when it comes down to especially the people that we spend the most of our time around and those choices, we, we made the point that ultimately those are choices that we get to make. Mm-hmm. Nobody mm-hmm. is in a position to force me into spending time with people. I choose that. I make those choices. And when it comes down to it, we've got to come to the realization that nobody is neutral <laughs> When it comes to you know mm-hmm. my relationship with God, either mm-hmm. the people that I'm spending time with are help they are in a position to help me in my relationship with God, or they are hindering in right. my relationship with God. They are an obstacle in some way, and so I've got to be able to find that. I've got to be able to examine that and, and figure that out very quickly. And then make that determination. I, I want to be spending my time with people who are only helping mm-hmm. in my relationship mm-hmm. with God. I, I personally, I have no uh, intention of spending quality time with people who would hurt or hinder my relationship with God. I'm just right. certainly not going to make that choice. And so when it comes to our topic today, and we've made mention, both you and I, these kind of you know, two different pieces to it, you know, in the time that we have, you know, here in this episode, we'll kind of break it up into those two areas. And we'll start with, you know, maybe the most obvious, the one that we we think the most about, the time that we spend with each other in worship. Mm-hmm. And it's really an interesting thing because you, you've already made mention, when it comes to worship, I mean, what cannot be overlooked is the purpose of worship, even on the Lord's Day, is focus on God. Yep. And a lot of that is very individual. It, it, it is in my heart. It is in my actions. It is in my personal focus, my personal mindset, and how that worship is going to be. I've got to not be distracted, and I've got to be fully focused on God. That's what worship is intended and purposeful about. But yet, you know, here in God's book, you know, the Bible, he has called us to worship on the Lord's day, but to do so together. So even though there is a very individual aspect to it, God and his wisdom has still called on us to do that together. And so God is very intentional in Mm -hmm. things that he has asked us to do. And we, we've even made mention a little bit here, you know, in this study, he's always looking out for what is best for us, even though at times maybe we don't even understand that. He's always looking out for what's best for us. And so his intention of us worshiping together has to be still of some benefit to us. Yeah. And I think there are certainly lots of benefits that come specifically from that. One passage that we often will make reference to when talking about worshiping together and the importance of doing so is in Hebrews chapter Hebrews chapter 10. So in Hebrews chapter 10, specifically there in verse 25, when the Hebrew writer is talking about, you know, the importance of not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. But, you know, you have the flip, you know, you need to be there. You need not to forsake that but exhort one another that to lift each other up. 
But the expanded context of that gives us all of those let us. And mm-hmm. now it's a very plurality of terms, right? Let us, verse 22, draw near. Let us hold fast, verse 23. Verse 24, let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. So now in the midst of this context, it is a let us, yeah. not a let you scenario. Right. And I think that certainly comes straight in every way from the mind of God. It does. And there's a lot of other places where you see that same idea brought forward. I, I have opened to 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and really 1 Corinthians chapter 10 you know, both deal with that, as does a lot of the book of 1 Corinthians, as Paul's writing to the church there in Corinth. But it, but specifically, when he's talking about the Lord's Supper, he uses language, uh, when you come together as a church, when you come together in one place, there is this clear expectation that Christians are going to assemble together and they're going to do so to commune. They're going to do so to take the Lord's Supper. And we see other examples of Christians coming together to sing and to pray and to study together. There is a communal aspect to this that, that clearly the Holy Spirit expects us to embrace as Christians. We are to use this opportunity together to commune with the Lord and to grow closer to Him, to worship and to praise Him. That is the expectation that, that God has for his people. And I think that that is demonstrated so clearly in Scripture. And yet we've even been in situations here recently with, with COVID that has put people in a situation where they have to question, you know, is it safe for me to go to worship? Should I, should I assemble together with Christians? Can I do this by myself in my own living room? We, have to, we had to deal with a lot of those questions. And it brought some of this teaching to the forefront that I think we have taken for granted in years gone by because we haven't had those types of questions that we've had to answer so directly. But but I think clearly the expectation of the Scriptures is that Christians assemble together in one place. I mean, that's literally the language that Paul is using there <laughs> right. in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And, and there is purpose behind that. It's not just because, well, that's something nice you can do on the weekend— But the purpose behind it is it gives us all an opportunity to come together as God's children and commune with him. And that is special, and that cannot be attained individually. That is something we do together. And so we we can't underestimate the value of doing that and just how important it is, not just to God, but to us also. It's important to all of us. That, that we come together and worship him in this way. Yeah, you made mention there of 1 Corinthians chapter 10, and it really is through that whole section of the book of 1 Corinthians that Paul is directing teaching specifically about the time that they are together mm-hmm. in worship. Very specific. We often will make you know reference to 1 Corinthians chapter 11 when he's talking about you know the Lord's Supper and they're partaking of it. But what's interesting through that context, through that whole context from 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 even, where he's really honing in on their collective worship. What really strikes me is just how purposeful it needs Mm -hmm. to be. That there certainly is intention to put God as the focus, but yet also the intention for each other. So even in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, when when Paul is talking about the issues that they're having surrounding the Lord's Supper, not waiting for one another, Mm -hmm. almost doing it on their own and missing out, on the benefit of of being there for one another. Certainly the different camps that were set in place, as Paul writes to the the brethren there in Corinth, 
But even in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, when he kind of begins to open up that idea that he really fleshes out in chapter 11 about the Lord's Supper, there's a really interesting passage in verse, or verse in verse 17 of 1 Corinthians chapter 10 when he makes the point, for we being many are one bread and one body. And so he really talks about the unification of being there with one purpose in mind. And I think we understand that. We, we see that yeah. all the time. And, you know, we've made mention, you and I are both, you know, sports fans, and we're, we enjoy watching sports, but we both enjoy going mm-hmm. to sporting events. And you go to a sporting event, and there may be tens of thousands of people who don't know each other at all, right? right? But right. yet they are unified mm-hmm. For one purpose, they're rooting for one team. They're watching one thing unfold and how that can bring all of these people together. Well, think about how much it's amplified if if we're coming together, not as strangers, right, right? but as family members, right? I mean, now (laughs) the power that comes... In the strength of knowing, number one, I'm not alone mm-hmm. in the journey that I'm on. The, these these good people are here with me. But just the power that comes from being there with one purpose and one job in mind and doing it together. And again, we've made mention of this a couple of times. It, it is only from God and his love for us that knows that this is something that we have to have. Yeah, it's something that we have to have. And, and as such, I think you know one of the other things that you see as you read through 1 Corinthians is there is an expectation because the the assembly is so purposeful, it needs to be done orderly, right. and there needs to be certain things that you're going to do, and God gives us the parameters and the guidelines to do that so that we're not going into this blind we're not going into it thinking, I wonder what we're going to do today. I wonder how we should do this. I wonder, will you structure it this way and I'll structure it this way. And we'll you know, God gives us the parameters of what he wants us to do when we assemble together. And he does so because of the wisdom that he has to recognize that if he's able to take away all of the confusion and the potential chaos that it can, can exist when a lot of people get together and give us structure and order, then that allows us to fully focus on what we're there to do. And what we're there to do, as we've already talked about, is to praise and to glorify God. And so our, wor- our worship is purposeful, it's meaningful, it- it's, it's, it's structured in the way that God wants it to be. Each of these things leading us down the path of an opportunity then to, to fully leave the chaos of the world behind and focus on what we're there to do so we can commune together with the Lord, we can praise Him and glorify Him the way that He wants us to. And it can be done in such a way that, that, that we all walk away from it recognizing that that was time well spent. That was time that, that drew me closer to God. It drew us closer to one another. You referenced there in Hebrews chapter 10, it gives us the opportunity to stir one another up, to love and to good works, and to consider one another. All of those things can be accomplished when we gather together to worship. And, and as such, those are things that we're simply not going to be able to accomplish when we don't do that. And I think that's the other important part there of Hebrews chapter 10, where, where the, the warning is given, don't forsake those assemblies. Don't do that, because right. in doing so, you're going to miss out on this opportunity that you're not going to find anywhere else. And so we have to protect that time. We have to recognize just how valuable that time is, and nothing is going to get in the way of us assembling together to worship because that time is special, that time is valuable, and it trumps anything else that's going on in my life. And so we have to recognize just how important that time it is. And once we recognize that, 
that is then going to help us protect that time and make sure that we place the value on it that we need to. Yeah, one thing that you just said that really struck, you know, just me here in the moment is that idea that there is no substitute for worshiping together. Mm -hmm. There's no substitute. There's nothing that we can put in that place that that fulfills the same thing, right? There's nothing that we can can place there that that it, it lifts me up that stirs me in the same way that gives me the strength that gives me you know increases my faith you know listen i i can worship god at, on my own any day of the week, mm-hmm. right? I mean, I can right. worship Him and praise Him. I mean, just by definition of the word, I can yeah. I can sing praises to Him all by myself at home. I can lift Him up in worship in all kinds of different ways. But being able to do that collectively mm-hmm. on a day that He has set aside that is to be focused specifically for that, I mean, the power that comes, I mean, the, you know, the cliche Maybe this will kind of provide the segue, you know, into the little bit broader of a term of, of understanding the importance of not just at worship spending time with the Lord's family, but being intentional about doing that throughout the week, not mm-hmm. just on the first day of the week, but throughout the week. But, you know, the cliche that there's strength in numbers, right? I mean, yeah. it is a, it's one of those well, you know, well-documented cliches. Everybody uses it. And maybe we get tired of hearing those, you know, kind of mm. often-used cliches, but they're often used because there's truth in those, right? right? There's truth yeah. in those, you know, oh, we've mm-hmm. heard that a billion times. Well, you've heard that a billion times because there's a lot of truth there. But that's strength in numbers. Yeah. I mean, we understand that in, in facets of life. But it most certainly comes into play here. I mean, we are up against Satan, the, the most worthy of adversaries. And certainly it takes God to be able to stand up to him. And we've talked a lot about that, mm-hmm. that he's going to be there with us. But yet also the benefit of having each other, yeah. you know, to be able to lean on one another. And the New Testament is very particular about the importance of not just that we are worshiping together on the Lord's day, but that we are also there for one another, mm-hmm. it, it, seemingly every day. I mean, you study the early book of Acts. <laughs> I mean, certainly Acts chapter 2, yeah, 3, yeah, 4, yeah. especially those three chapters, and really throughout the book, I mean, the picture is paid. It, it seems as if they are nearly all day, every day with one mm-hmm. another, not just on the Lord's day, yep. but with one another all the time, even in Acts chapter 5. And so I think certainly that there's a powerful lesson in that as well. Yeah, there is. And, and the, the teaching continues on throughout the New Testament, as you made mention, in, in numerous places. I wrote down just a couple in Romans 12 and 1 Peter 4, where, where the Scriptures talk about the importance of hospitality. Mm-hmm. And so while we're living in a day and age where we don't necessarily uh, live in, in close proximity in the way the Christians did there in the, the early church— it's important that we have one another into our homes, that we spend time with one another in a, in a more social setting so that we can get to know one another. Galatians 6 talks about the importance of bearing one another's burdens. I can't do that for you if I don't know you. You can't do that for me if you don't know me. And so we have to develop a relationship that's going to encourage openness and is going to give us an opportunity to to share concerns, fears, etc. with one another, as well as joys and happiness and successes that we may have. You share those with people who you know, and that's just the simple reality of it. I don't walk around telling people about something that made me happy today. If I don't know them at all, that'd be very weird. I'd get some weird looks if I went up to somebody at the gas station and says, let me tell you about something that happened to me today. We do that with people we know right. and that we trust. 
And, and so we have to develop those relationships. It's not going to happen simply because we're members at the same local congregation. That's going to happen over years oftentimes of having one another into our homes, having meals together, spending time with each other, doing things recreationally together. That's where those relationships are built. And that's where the opportunity then is really made available to bear one another's burdens and to be there for each other during difficult times, correct one another when necessary, but to really be the type of friend that that God wants us to be to one another. Yeah, I mean, this whole podcast in a lot of ways has been about relationship, right? I mean, the whole thing has been about relationship. And we have spent a long time and a lot of words (laughs) used in talking about our relationship with God. And we have made the point over and over and over again you know, throughout, you know, episode after episode after episode that in order to better our relationship with God, it takes time. It takes time in getting to know who he is. We talked a lot about that. It takes, you know, it takes time and energy to to speak with him and to be open and honest with him, to listen to him. And we've talked about all of that. But at the same time, we've, we've said this should be something we know because we understand how you build relationships. Yeah, right. Well, now we're flipping that just a little bit, and now we're, we're bringing that into you know the world that we're living in right now. Not, not necessarily that spiritual relationship we have with God, which is the defining relationship. But, you know, maybe one of the physical relationships. We've talked a lot about the relationship that we have with our spouses and with our children. But now with the Lord's family, even though it has a very spiritual base, Mm -hmm. they are physically here with us. And that takes time and it takes effort and it takes energy. All of the passages about the importance of loving one another, you know, comes into play here. And we've made mention of, you know, the passages like rejoicing with those who rejoice, weeping with those who weep. You made mention of Galatians chapter 6, bearing with one another's burdens. You cannot do that with a stranger. You just simply cannot do it. It only comes through relationship. It only comes through communication. It only comes through knowledge. And all of that takes effort and energy. But, you know, it goes back to where we talked a little bit with episode 12 last week about being intentional about who I choose to spend my time with. Mm -hmm. And so now if I'm choosing to spend my time with other members of the Lord's family, so now these are very intentional decisions that now I'm surrounding myself with people who are also value their relationship with God. But I'm being intentional about that. I'm understanding, as God has pointed out, you know, this is something that's important. I mean, that passage that we both referenced in Galatians chapter 6 is a command. Yeah, that's right. Bear with one another's burdens and and so fulfill the law. I mean, that is a command that's given to us. It it doesn't happen without that knowledge base. It doesn't happen without that relationship. Maybe that's a better way to say it. Mm -hmm. It doesn't happen without that relationship. And so now spending time with the Father's family, yes, in worship, super critical, but also outside of worship, also super critical. Yeah, you use, you use the word intentional there that I think is really important. And, and just to get real practical for a minute, if we want to develop these relationships with one another, we're simply going to have to make time for it. Right. Because everybody is busy. Everybody's got a lot going on between work and activities at school and sports and everything else that you can imagine. Everybody has a lot going on, and everybody's lives are busy. We're simply going to have to make time for it. You may have to move some other things off your schedule from time to time so that you can have another brother or sister or their family into your home or to accept an invitation to go do something else with 
with someone, you're simply going to have to because that's how important this is. It's so important that we develop these relationships with one another so that we can fulfill the command that you talked about right. just a moment ago. That's not that's not an option for us. It's something we have to do. And so that means we're going to have to develop these relationships. And so we have to we have to make the time on our calendar and we may have to push some other things out of the way and that may be uncomfortable at times, but it's too important to simply think that it's just going to happen organically because it's simply not not in today's not in today's world with so many things pulling at our attention. It is not going to happen organically. It's something we're going to have to be intentional about. Yeah, you know, listen, one more thing I want to spend, you know, just a couple of minutes on even going off of what you've you've talked about, it, it really is going to come down. If I'm going to make the time, I've got to have the right attitude when I'm, mm-hmm. I'm looking at the people around me, right? I mean, it, it, it comes down to my love, my care, my concern. If those are in place, then I am going to yeah. make the time because I'm going to see the importance of it. You know, I think it's really interesting. I mean, throughout Scripture, you can go back to the, I mean, the very beginning of the Old Testament. I mean, throughout Scripture, from the beginning to the end, how often loving God and loving others mm-hmm. is tied together. Yeah. I mean, it is over and over and <laughs> right. over again. You see it all yeah. the way back with the old law in the book of Deuteronomy. Jesus himself is asked about, you know, what is the greatest command? Mm-hmm. You know, if you, you know, if you, if you could boil it down, what is the greatest command? And he says, you, you, you love God with, with all of your everything, listing out several things. And, and then he says, and love your neighbor as yourself. And, and upon these two, Commands hang everything. Everything right. hangs on this. John will make reference in his his letters specifically about you know if you say that you love God and hate your brother, then you're a liar. Those mm-hmm. those two things do not coexist, right? You cannot love God and hate your brother. You either love God and love your brother, or you are hating both, right? They they are always tied together. And when you start to think about it, that really should make sense, right? Mm -hmm. Because we value our relationship with God so much. It is so valuable. If you also value your relationship with God, I should automatically be drawn to you because I value that relationship Mm -hmm. so much. If I don't have a high value on my relationship with God, but you have a high value on your relationship with God, I don't know how much attention I'm going to provide Mm -hmm. to you. But if I am so valuing my relationship with God and I run across you and you're highly valuing your relationship with God, we should be drawn together. And I think that's in a lot of ways the way God has put it, put it in place. Yeah, I agree. And and you, I think you see that a lot of times, even within a local body, because there's a lot of people who I don't necessarily have a lot in common with outside of our love and devotion to the Lord. And under normal circumstances, we probably wouldn't necessarily be close friends because we don't have a lot of similar interests all the time. But when we share that love and devotion to God, that gives us that unity. That gives us a point of reference for one another. We do have that in common. And so we're always able to build off of that. You know, a lot of other friendships, quote-unquote, in the world are built off of very physical uh, very temporal things. But we build our friendships and our relationships off of our love for God. That's something that's going to withstand any test that's thrown at it. And so the bonds of friendship there can actually be even stronger than those made with people who we may share interests with secularly. This, this relationship is one 
that's going to last for eternity because it's built on God and we have a similar desire to praise him and worship him and to know him and to love him. And so we grow together in that way. Yeah, no doubt about it. Well, I think that's a good spot for us to stop here. Episode number 13. We certainly appreciate you listening, studying along with us. We look forward to next week when we continue uh, our thoughts. Just a few episodes left as we continue, switch gears a little bit more, looking specifically as some uh, examples of uh, Bible characters and their relationships with God, and we'll kind of close out our study looking at a few of those. We appreciate you listening so well.